Welcome to Manager Tools. Overcoming Trinity Pushback, Chapter 2, No Time for One-on-Ones, Part 1. Here we go. Folks, if you wanted to come to our Effective Manager Conference for quite a while, but either we don't come to your location or you simply can't afford it because your company won't pay, we understand, and that's why we've created our video Effective Manager Conference series of videos. You will be able to see the entire conference on video, including the practice, broken down into small 10 to 15 minute segments. Each segment has a quiz and there's a transcript to go with it through which you can search for those topics you wish to go back on. Come to the website, check it out, get a license for our video effective manager conference. Okay, this happens all the time. Mark, you've heard it. I've heard it. We've had oh, many yeah. listeners <laughs> tell us about it. You want to do one-on-ones with your directs, you announce it, and your directs tell you they don't have time. Yeah. They're wrong. But <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's what they say. Um, yeah. And uh, everybody's so busy, and we're going to talk about business in this cast and the whole defensiveness of busyness. Uh, everybody's busy. And so it almost doesn't matter what new idea you're going to say. One-on-ones are particularly ripe for the issue of I don't have time because it's a scheduled time on their calendar as opposed to simply an additional task. But yeah, they say they don't have time. And you're right. They're wrong. And we'll go through the reasons. And this cast is about telling you what to say to help your directs get over the hump. Simple as that. Yeah, And this is, I guess, one-on-ones and rolling out one-on-ones. That's no different than a lot of managerial changes we make. It doesn't matter whether it's a you know a cost cutting initiative or um, some innovation initiative. Right. Directs often push back on these kind of changes. Yeah, we. I don't know that I've ever walked everyone through it in a cast. I I tell people that human beings are naturally prone to resist change. We have risk aversion built in to ourselves. It's part of the species protection mechanisms and you know babies are born with the ability to only taste two tastes and that is bitter and sweet sweet because sweet means energy to the body and bitter because bitter often implies poison and what happens is when you feed your baby anything else with a taste that doesn't have bitter or sweet your baby will spit it out simply because it might be poison your baby doesn't dislike the food your baby is just trained to do the human babies are trained genetically to do that so behavioralists say you have to keep giving it foods if your baby spits out the corn you give it the first time and you say oh okay he doesn't like corn yeah, i don't just want to stop. give it to him anymore <laughs> just stop. You're, no more you, never folks, again. <laughs> you're, you're doing it wrong okay and for the same basic reasons when we introduce new behaviors managerial behaviors some of our directs are going to resist initial resistance to something we're willing to try if we think it was a way to get better oughtn't to cause us to fall back though and this cast is about how to verbally address the concerns that we've heard hundreds of times thousands of times and we can tell you that if you use these responses resistance is going to go away within two to three weeks yeah people tell us that all the time so let's get into it what what do we do when our directs resist the introduction of one-on-ones yeah four recommended responses which we'll go into in some detail first of all the first one is three weeks from now your calendar is empty <laughs> everybody complains they're busy now and when you show them their calendar three weeks from now they sort of go oh 
Second thing is, if you're that busy, in other words, they're saying they're fully busy, we need to get better at the right things rather than simply saying, well, that's a defense against ever doing anything more. Because if everybody being busy is a defense against doing anything new, nobody would ever change anything. Number three, this is my favorite one, but it's not the first one you should use. And we call it, let's do the math. (laughs) And the fourth one is, hey, thanks for your input. This isn't a request. Manager Tools is actually recommending you use some role power here. We don't recommend you use role power that often. No. But occasionally, it's useful, and this would be one of those times. And as I tweeted the other day, role power is inversely proportional to how often you use it. The less you use role power, the more you have of it. The person who has no relationships and no expertise, who has to use role power to get things done, begins to feel feel like he he or she has very little power which is true over time. Okay, so our calendars are are virtually empty three weeks from now. So why, why is that important when we get pushback from our directs about not having enough time? Yeah, okay, so let's be clear about pushback in general. We, we touched on this a minute ago. Guys, you can never be surprised by it, okay? Just because you think what you're going to try is a good idea doesn't mean your directs will go along with it. Think about it from your perspective of you and your boss. Okay, your boss brings up, hey, uh, we're going to do something different. For many of us, even the high D's and high I's who are comfortable with change, your first thought is, whoa, okay, what does this mean? I'm listening very carefully now. You know, people aren't going to go along with things. When you change how you manage FUD, which is fear, uncertainty, and doubt about the change are always going to be part of the response. Don't assume that the resistance you get is resistance of you or of the idea. And this is important in the same way that we tell managers, hey, look, if you don't know what you're doing and you look around you and the other managers seem to be going about their work and deciding what to do and so on, and you think that they know what they're doing and you're the only one, no, you're wrong. Everybody else doesn't know what they're doing either. No offense, I'm not suggesting everybody's horrible at their jobs. I'm just saying that that feeling you have, almost every other manager in the world has, because they don't know what to do, and they don't quite know how to do it. They don't know what managing means other than supposed to get the job done. Um, And for a lot of managers, it means become friends with your directs, which is, of course, a bad idea, as we've said before. And too many managers introduce one or two new things and stop because they perceive the initial resistance is either directed at them or directed at the idea, but it's not. It's just ingrained in people. And it gets worse than that, too. The fact is your directs don't respond precisely to you as a person, but they respond based on their perception of you. Okay, When you look in the mirror, guys, you see the trustworthy, hardworking, well-intentioned you. You see a nice person. Yeah, that's not what they're direct see. You're direct yeah. see, right? They don't look at you and go, oh, there's a nice person. Guys, for the record, this is Horseman's Law of Managers Are Not Nice. I don't know what we call it. Your directs do not see you as a nice person. They see you as their boss. Now, that doesn't mean you're not a nice person, as I like to tell audiences. You seem lovely to us. It just means that your directs don't see you that way, the way you see you. Everything you do from them is seen through the lens of your role power and a reasonable fear of what that power could mean for them, their career, their family. The fact that you, quote, would never do anything 
any of the things that they fear you might do is irrelevant. What matters to them is you can. And they'd be foolish not consider that power and its potential effect on them and their relationship with you. Right. And you match that with, with our general human tendency to resist change. You, you pair that with their fear of you. Um, yeah. That, <laughs> they, they're going to have a negative, at least initially, a negative reaction of changes you introduce. And I think we have to be, as managers, we need to get clear about that, that there's going to be 10 or 15 or 20, and if you're young, maybe even 25% standard resistance. Yes, everything changes over time, but introducing change to other people is naturally going to be resisted, and it's not you, and it's not your idea. Now, look, if it's a bad idea and they don't like you, well, then you're going to have a lot of resistance. But even if they love you and it's a great idea, but look, if it's new to them, it can't be a great idea. You're going to have to sell it to them, which, which by the way, Mike, is a, is a big issue for a lot of managers, but if it's a good idea and you try to sell it, you're still going to get some pushback. And for the record, folks, one of my unspoken goals in the next 20 years is to help more managers understand how stupid it is to dismiss, decry, belittle persuasion as a critical part of management. Too many managers, engineering managers, technical managers, operations managers, production managers, administrative managers, legal managers, HR managers, dismiss persuasion because so many people don't understand sales and there's such a bad, well, no, there is a bad reputation among salespeople as being slick and so on. But the fact is among the greatest managers and executives, persuasion is their stock and trade. Sales techniques need to take better hold among managers. And folks, if you're listening right now and you feel a bit of an aversion to that, I'm just going to tell you, you don't understand what persuasion is. One of the fundamental principles of human communication is every time you open your mouth, you know at some level a psychologist could get it out of you or a psychiatrist if they cross-examined you, if you will, you know you're trying to persuade. You have an idea and you want the other person to accept it. That's persuasion. And sales may have a bad reputation, but salespeople have no problem with this. And for a long time, until finance and legal became so much more important, at least in the States, the primary way to become CEO was to become VP of sales. Are you saying that you can actually be ethical when being a salesman? Is, oh my god! Are you suggesting that? Yeah, that that's so funny, right? You you, you just you just tee the ball up so sweet for me. I, <laughs> yeah, I mean that's the problem: is managers, technical managers, operations managers, production managers look and go, "Oh no, what they're doing is shady or whatever." And yet we all do it every day. And then while we do it and we deny it, or we we are you know we we simply don't understand what persuasion is. Then when things are hard for us to get a new idea in place, and I I tell somebody you're going to have to persuade them, like, well, I'm never going to do it then. It's like saying, I want you to walk over there, and you say, fine, but I don't want to use my feet. I mean, what? What? I mean, I know you don't think about using your feet when you walk, but the fact is they're pretty critical to walking. It is an enormous black hole, and, and I'm absolutely certain in the next 20 to 50 years, other people, including us, will help managers understand that. In fact, someday we're going to have management courses in college and they're going to teach standard ways and if we have our way it's going to be our way that they're going to teach because we have data the fear that your role power engenders in your directs creates an initial negative response 
to any new managerial behavior, idea, system, process, practice, anything. It's normal. Right. And if you're a smart manager, you're going to expect that, right? You're, you're, yeah. not, going, you're not going to be surprised. Yeah, that, and that's the problem, right? People don't expect it. And, and by the way, they continue to not expect it after it's happened numerous times. And they should know. They don't know. And then when they get it, they're surprised, and that causes them to draw back. Which is, it starts out being a question of ignorance, not a question of behavior. Yeah, I mean, if you step into a boxing ring, at some point, somebody's going to throw a punch yeah. at you. You, 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 you oughtn't be surprised by it. So they're going to throw the punch. They're going to push back. So yeah. a wise manager would have a response, would know what to do, would, yeah, have, a a, would have a battle yeah. plan, right? Yeah, having a response to some of the most likely objections is going to improve the speed of your implementation and the breadth of your support. And some of the fear, some of the pushback you get is going to melt away within two minutes. And why wouldn't you want that? So our first response to the objective of time is three weeks from now, your calendar is empty. Guys, when your directs tell you they're too busy, they're talking about how busy they are right now. And it's true a lot of places, though a lot of places we go, it's claimed to be true and it's not simply because at first it was cool and now it's become normal and now it's become banal that everybody's busy. I'm busy. It's actually a defense mechanism not to keep you from changing, just to keep you up with everybody else because you wouldn't want to be not busy. But if we allow every new idea to be compared to everyone's current schedule, almost nobody will ever introduce new ideas to change to improve performance or behavior or quality or quantity or efficiency. Right? If busyness is the defense and everybody's busy, well, then we're stymied. We can't do anything. Okay? That's why when we announce we're going to start doing one-on-ones, we announce that they won't start for three weeks. Okay? That's part of the plan, guys. You don't announce. If, if you've not heard from us or you, one of your buddies has said, you got to listen to Mater Tools, but you didn't have time to listen to the whole thing. And you said, I'll just start next week. This is such a good idea. I really like it from my boss. I'm not going to wait as long as he did. I'm going to start right away. You're doing it wrong. Part of that timing is to allow for the scheduling to take place, to figure out what the schedule is going to be. It takes a day or two for directs to pick their times. Part of that time is also to allow time to answer questions. There are always questions when you change how you manage other people. Part of the lag is also to allow us time to brief everybody together, which may take a couple of days, maybe even up to a week. If you're going to do it in a staff meeting, it means it may be as much as a week away. If you have a staff meeting, and you should, by the way, and there's a cast for that, by the way. Part of it is also to allow directs who are so inclined to listen to or read further guidance you might make available to them, like the podcasts, which are free. And that's part of the point. <laughs> right. By the way, folks, we've been um, we've been asked to consider taking advertising on the cast, and we are considering it. But interestingly, somebody said the other day to me in the field, they said, "Hey, look, I've been listening to your cast, and I guess I was it was unlocked because I'm coming to this training." And I said, "No, no." Well, did I did my boss buy something for me, or whatever? I said, "No, the podcasts are free." And he says, "That just can't be." <laughs> Yeah. I said, well, why not? He says, because they're really good. I'm like, yeah, I know. It's this wicked business plan Mike and I have. Yeah, we just give, give everything away for, for free. For and, free. And, and the riches yeah. will be laid at your feet. People just exactly. voluntarily throw riches at your feet. Yeah. Okay. So those are all. So that's all 
some of the reasons why we delay. Right. But the main reason that we delay, and by the way, we learned this from trying to roll them out immediately, is that people who have full calendars now for this week rarely, 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 rarely will have that same fullness in their calendar three weeks from now. Yeah, and this is a pretty important point. The issue is not that they couldn't do them this week. Oh, they, they could. Can, oh, they, of course absolutely. they can. You can sit down with your direct and you can carve out 30 minutes for each of them, no problem whatsoever, right? The whole point here, though, yeah. is three weeks from now, they have nothing on their calendar, right? There's, yeah, they have and less it, to stand on. And yeah. if you're, yeah, you're going to get that initial resistance and the most common one is, I don't have time, this is how you solve it, right? So it's not that they can't do it this week. Yeah, you're essentially taking away one of the pieces of evidence they have to, I don't have time, which is look at my calendar. That's right. and, and another way you could do this is you could say to somebody, if you wanted to be stealthy about this, I've recommended this to a few people. What you would say, if you didn't want to wait three weeks or you didn't want to tell them your calendar's empty and people say, well, I'm really swamped. You say, okay, look, let's back off. And then the next day, sometime in the morning, you would say to one of your directs, Hey, by the way, when you get a minute this afternoon, stop by my desk. I just want to chat with you about some stuff. And they say, what is it? So don't, don't worry about it right now. I need to put some stuff together. We'll chat when you come by my desk. And the director says, okay. And at 2 or 3 o'clock, he comes by. And you start, and you say, hey, look, I've got some things to brief you on, blah, 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 blah. And pretty quickly, 20, 25 minutes will come by. <laughs> and because it wasn't scheduled, and because they didn't know how long it was, and because they wonder what you want to talk to them about, they're motivated to come in. And all this really proves is they manage their calendar poorly and that they can stop by whenever they want. And also, it's partially to prove, it's partially proves that they like having control of their calendar, which is to say, don't put anything on my calendar. I'll do it when I want to do it. But then that belies the whole idea of role power and the fact that a manager's calendar is typically, if not almost always, much more busy than the direct's calendar. The direct's calendar, of course, is different than the manager's because the manager tends to have more meetings and so on. But clearly, they have time if they can stop by and they didn't have a scheduled time and suddenly they've been sitting in your office for 20 or 30 minutes, which is basically them bowing to roll power as well. Guys, look at your own calendar for validation. Your calendar tends to fill up in a rolling three to five day wave of requests and acceptances. If you're a busy person, today is almost always as full as you can get it. Tomorrow is probably also full. But five days from now, and let's assume the five days, if you're listening on Monday when this cast first comes out, that it's a week from today. So it's five business days, which is, say, next Monday. Five days from now, we'd wager your calendar is somewhat less filled, maybe 50%, and for some of you, even well less than that. And three weeks from now, there is virtually nothing on your calendar, but perhaps two to three standing weekly meetings that you have. They probably represent less than 10% of your total available time that week. So when your direct objects on the basis of being too busy, tell them, hey, look, I know that, I respect that, and that's why I'm scheduling them now for three weeks from now, when I know that you have nothing already scheduled. So why don't you share with us an example what that might sound like 
All right, you want to play the direct, and I'll I'll play the manager. We'll do sure. a role play. By the way, these are always fun. I, uh, with Danny and I, probably when we're talking, and Sarah as well, when we talk about what happened during the day, we enjoy sharing role plays where a direct, where a, a, a conference attendee says, "Hey, you know, what about this?" And you say, "Well, okay, well, let's role play that." And they act like it's magic that you can have a live conversational exchange. And, and they fail to realize we've been doing this for years and years and years, and we've had that conversational exchange 5,000 times. That's the beauty of, of manager tools. And I don't think a lot of managers get that. And, and this is one of the things that excited me when you first consulted for me, what, 20 years ago? 20 years ago. Uh, 20 yeah. years ago. Oh, my God. Yeah. Killing me. Right? Which is yeah. the roles, the days of a manager across different organizations, different types of companies, different verticals, different industries. It's right. not all that different, right? It's the same right. thing over and over and over and over again. And managers, they think that it's all unique. It's all unique to them. They're the only ones having these problems. And there's there's patterns of behavior. And this is, is this is one of those. So the beauty of manager tools is, you know, a place to find all that stuff, right? So right. you don't have to rediscover it or develop solutions from first principles every single time. Because you and I, when we talked about starting it, said to each other, Let's give them what we didn't have. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah. Okay. So let's say you, I, I got an email from you about, about 101s. And so I'm, me, it's me. This is the way I do it. Right. I immediately run down to your office. Boss, this 101 thing, I don't, I don't know what they are, but I am absolutely swamped. I don't have, I got, I've got meetings up the wazoo. The last thing I have time for is one more meeting. Yeah, it's, it's like, you know, you've got your country's 500th anniversary plan, your wife to murder, Gilder to frame for it. You're swamped. I know. Yeah, well, got <laughs> these projects that you gave me, dude. You, you know I'm swamped. Right. Yeah. And so I would say this. I know you're busy right now, dude. Thanks for the hard work. I appreciate it. I respect it. And that's why I'm not asking you to start now. I'm asking for time on your calendar three weeks from now. And, dude, I checked. There's nothing on your calendar then. Yeah, that, I mean, that's true now, but by then, my, my calendar is going to be booked. It, it always fills up. You know that. I'm always busy. Yeah, dude, totally. You are, and I am, of course, right? But when your calendar starts filling up a few days before our first scheduled one-on-one, -on -one, what fills up your calendar will have one less half hour in an entire week to work with. And I don't think that's too much to ask in terms of you and I have an open communication, working on the relationship, checking on work, talking about what's going on. Half an hour. Yeah. I got nothing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, got nothing. And to me, the most important phrase in there, I don't know, maybe this makes me a bad person, is the part where I checked. Yeah, I checked. I, There's yeah. nothing on your calendar. I was right? kind of chuckling when you said that. <laughs> Yeah, when I ask audiences this, I say, raise your hand if your boss said, hey, I'd like some time, a half an hour on your calendar next week. I checked. I put it down for Wednesday at 3 o'clock. Raise your hand if you would say no to your boss. Everybody's like, no, I mean, of course not. Of course I wouldn't. So fine, great, you wouldn't. What makes you tolerate that in your directs? And I, this is also a larger lesson. I say, if you wouldn't do something to your boss, don't be so easily tolerant of it if your directs are doing it to you. If it surprises you that someone would think about doing that, if you if you say yes to your boss and somebody else says, no, no, I told the boss no, if that shocks you, then it should shock you when one of your directs does it to you. And look, there's an important point here. This response about scheduling later 
works for any other systemic or recurring change you're going to go through that might take some time, not just one-on-ones. I got to tell you guys, this may be one of the greatest small tactical recommendations we will ever make. Millions of good managerial ideas have been killed by directs suggesting that they're too busy to do something new or different and then being able to prove it, prove it by showing their boss a completely full, which is to say busy, calendar. But a month from now, on all of those calendars, there's all kinds of time for new initiatives, apparently, because, again, their calendars are blank. Yeah, no doubt. Thanks, everyone. That's it. We'll see you next week. Have a great one. This podcast was produced by Manager Tools. Manager Tools creates actionable management guidance every single week. To receive additional materials via our newsletter and to find products for situations you may face as a manager or professional, go to www.manager-tools.com. Search for Manager Tools on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Thank you.